This podcast is for general information only. It is not intended as a substitute for general health care services. If you have medical conditions, you need to see your doctor. Use of this information is at the user's own risk. Welcome to FitRx with Dr. Greg Dennis. Join me as we challenge the standard sick model of healthcare. This is your source for everything health, wellness, prevention, fitness, biohacking, and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of FitRx. I'm your host, Dr. Greg Dennis. And if you have listened to this podcast, you know that I am very interested in anti-aging and we've had a lot of episodes about different things related to that. And so I have another guest today um, to talk about some anti-aging. His name is Greg McPherson. He is a biotechnologist, cellular health expert and author. I'll let him tell you uh, kind of more specifically what he does, Um, but he wrote a book called Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging, which we're going to get into today, and he really gets into um, a lot of the uh, physiology of of what causes aging, and so we'll talk a little bit about that and maybe what we can do to slow some of that down. So, uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. It's great to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you can tell, uh, he's not from around here. So, so, so Greg, tell us just kind of more about you and, and what you do and just how you got into studying about, you know, uh, aging and the aging process. Yeah, absolutely. Greg. Um, so calling from New Zealand and in, in Auckland on a, a, a reasonably mild, uh, winter's day and, uh, and calling from the future. It's, um, it's, it's tomorrow, your time where I am. Um, I'm a pharmacist. I've been doing, uh, been in the pharmacy game now for 30 years or thereabouts, but the last decade I've actually sort of left the pharmacy and got into biotechnology and uh, I've been working in the area um, for eight years uh, uh, to do with mitochondrial health. And um, we got very, very interested in going down the rabbit hole and understanding how these mitochondria, which are our cellular batteries, work and then don't work as we get older. And in the last couple of years, I've um, started a company called SRW Laboratories. And the purpose of this company is to uh, challenge the way that we age and just help people just look at how they're doing it because we can do it a whole bunch better if we do it quite consciously. And there's just amazing uh, insights and technology now that we can uh, harness to to just understand and, and just age better than previous generations. So uh, SAW Laboratories is a health company, and uh, it's uh, essentially we have a range of products um, that just to help with aging. Um, and um, but you're just winding it back a bit. Um, the reason I started SAW was that uh, I, I wrote a book about aging, and that book, as you said, was harnessing nine hallmarks of aging, and. That actually came from a paper called The Hallmarks of Aging, which was published back in 2013. Uh, And it it really um, uh, created, it was just a fantastic paper because it outlined nine areas of our cells that age. And they identified those nine areas um, in that each of them had to happen naturally as we age. Um, And if you went into the lab and made them worse, then it sped aging up. And if you went in and made them better, it actually slowed the aging process down. So I, I got pretty excited when I read that paper, because as a pharmacist, you look at these things going, well, actually, this is not just a um, places in our cells that age. It's actually places that we might be able to do, stage an intervention in and actually modulate aging. And so that paper was packed full of interesting 
but really uh, complex um, subjects. So the book was really my attempt at uh, making that a, a, a available to the rest of us. So, you know, you can look at those insights and understand what's happening at a cellular level around aging and, and then uh, and take, and take some habits into your life, which will compound over time and help you age better. Well, well very nice. Uh, well, let's get into the book because uh, there's a lot to cover. Uh, you go through a lot of stuff uh, in the book. But first, so I want to ask in your research, and you have a chapter about this in the book, I mean, how long do you think people could live? Yeah, right now, I think, uh, we, you know, we, we know that humans live up to 120, um, and there are some good examples of that. Um, but really, it's not so much about where that could go, because I actually think we, we, we may actually um, be able to expect quite significantly extend that. It could be 150, it could be 200 years. And that's not with technology that we've got available to us now, but it's certainly that, uh, what's on the horizon. Um, but I, I think each of us can look to extend our health span, uh, which is the amount of time that we spend in good health, out from the average, which is uh, 63, which is a confronting number because it's, it's awfully close to, for a lot of us, um, out you know, to, for, to 73 or 83. And, um, and, and that's really what it's about. It's not about sort of adding too many more years. It's about just the extra years in good health. So I think, you know, we've all, I think we could all turn up at 100 feeling fairly good. Um, if we adopt some of the practices that are unpacked in this book. Sure. Okay. Well, let's get into that. So my uh, listeners should be familiar with health span versus age span. You, you talk a little bit about that. You know, obviously health span is improving the years that we are alive because there's no sense in living to be a hundred if we're going to be debilitated for, you know, 15 years of that. So really what we want to do is extend the health span so that we're healthy, you know, up until the very end. And so let's just get into the, the hallmarks of aging. And so uh, again, listeners may have heard us talking about this uh, somewhat, um, but the first hallmark that you talk about is genomic instability. And so just kind of talk about what that is and, and maybe why that impacts the aging process. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. So um, genomic instability relates to how stable our DNA is. And um, you know, our DNA breaks up to 100,000 times per day in, our, in every single cell in our body, uh, which is just a, quite a mind-boggling um, number. And it's nothing to worry about because we've got incredible uh, mechanisms which monitor our DNA and stick things back together and, and repair them every day. But over time, um, we, you know, things break that many times, you're inevitably going to get errors that pop up. And so, and, and they believe the rate that that happens is actually the primary driver of, of how fast we're aging. So, um, and you, you know, you can accelerate it by getting out in the sun and getting lots of UV exposure, which just puts a, a phenomenal um, uh, stress on, 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 on our DNA. And you just have to look at the back of your hand and then compare it with the inside of your wrist to see you know, the difference and what uh, DNA damage can do to our cell function, essentially. Um, but there's also other things like stress and oxidative stress and our diet and our exercise, which actually um, all influence how well our DNA is, is working or not. So, you know, the, the good thing is it's, you know, all these things are within our influence um, and we can uh, take the pressure off our DNA. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's, you know, all those good things that I'm sure you talk about with your audience around exercise and diet and mindfulness. These are all things that we can do, which actually have a material impact on 
on, on our, our DNA age, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. So um, probably what I'll do and we'll, um, so I had Dr. Sandra Kaufman on here. I don't know if you're familiar with her uh, and her book, but um, she was on not too long ago. And you know, we talked about some of these things and then uh, we would ask maybe some specific things we can do for each area uh, of these, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, strategies. And so uh, specifically for, you know, DNA damage, genomic instability. I mean, and, and you mentioned, you know, decreased stress and that kind of thing, but what are some other specific things we can do to maybe help with this? So there are obviously things like vitamin D. Um, so there are certain um, supplements that we can take, which, uh, which help curcumin um, and uh, it's like metal donors, which uh, just help our, our DNA um, repair. There's a we obviously take antioxidants, which can reduce the level of oxidative stress within our, uh, our DNA. And we can support those uh, little proteins called sirtuins, um, which are, they call them the guardian of the genome, but they're, they're just particular proteins which are involved in, in just monitoring our DNA and, and, and repairing it. Um, and obviously the really a key molecule there is NAD, which is, uh, and we can take precursors like uh, NR and NMN, which help boost those levels of, of NAD. Um, I'm sure your uh, audience know about NAD, but what I found out recently is uh, apart from water, NAD is the most abundant molecule in our body. And uh, from our 40s, actually, it starts to drop precipitously. So it's, it's something that if we can top up, we should, and we can top it up by exercising and, and uh, encouraging um, just healthy living. But uh, we can, we've also now got supplements that we can, we can give it a boost with. And then, and then the last thing, um, Greg, is a, a new molecule, which I'm really excited about with Hobermann. And hopamine comes from Himalayan Tartary buckwheat. And uh, hopamine is a, uh, a molecule which actually prevents the downstream damage from uh, oxidative stress. And it's really the first time that we've been able to do that. Um, you know, we can take lots of antioxidants to reduce the amount of free radicals in our cells and, and oxidative stress. But uh, you actually need a healthy level of free radicals in your body because your cells use them for messaging and um, for, for, for immunity, et cetera. So um, what the Hobermean does, it's a really a new way to address um, the, the downstream effects of oxidative stress without interfering with free radical, um, healthy free radicals. And, and that's, that's new technology and, and super exciting. Going back to sunlight, you mentioned sunlight can accelerate some of this damage, um, but also sunlight is good for vitamin D, which vitamin D helps in, in anti-aging. The sunlight is also... Uh, important for circadian rhythm and stuff like that, which I talk about. And so uh, it, it sounds like we probably need to get a healthy balance, but, but how do, how do we, we balance that? Yeah. Um, I, we, we, in New Zealand, we have the toughest, most exposure to UV in the world. I think Australia and New Zealand, just because we've got that lovely ozone hole down our neck of the woods. And so um, what I recommend is that you, you know, you get your light exposure, your sun exposure, between like eight and 10 in the morning and between three and five in the afternoon and avoid that super intense um, sunlight uh, in the middle of the day. And then when we do that, then then we're getting all the the vitamin D that we need. Sounds good. Um, So hallmark number two is telomere attrition. So remind the listeners, if you will, what telomeres are and then maybe the importance of of that in aging and then how we can uh, maybe slow that process down. Yeah. So uh, if you imagine a shoelace, which is about two meters long, um, which is actually how long your DNA is when you stretch it, uh, or six feet, 
end to end, stretch it out. Um, so and if you've got a shoelace, quite often you've got a little cap on the end, which uh, I forget exactly the name of what it is, but it's a little plastic cap on the end of your shoelaces and it's designed to stop your shoelace fraying. And uh, and so the, the telomeres are essentially that. They're um, a part of uh, little caps on the end of your DNA. And, and they, they play a really important role because each time your cell divides, uh, those telomeres get a wee bit shorter. And um, by the time your cells got you know, divided around 50 times, it's something called the Hayflick limit. Um, and, it, and it differs between cells and cell types, but sort of on average, that's kind of the amount of uh, duplications your cell has. Then um, your Hayflick limit, your, your telomeres shrink to the point where the cell actually can't divide anymore. It kind of puts a handbrake on the cell. And that's really useful because that's kind of when it's time for that cell to, to be moved on because it's at risk of having a, uh, of just you know, running into challenges, maybe having some errors pop up. So your telomeres play that role and, and no doubt numerous others as well. Um, and you want to have longer telomeres because they're associated with a healthier life. If you had a, a twin uh, or a sibling um, and both of you had a heart attack on the same day, the sibling will, um, with the longer telomeres has actually got a better health outcome. And so uh, it's, it's good to keep your telomeres nice and long. You can do that through, uh, again, taking supplements like vitamin D and just looking after your cells, reducing stress. Um, and, but the other thing which is really interesting is, uh, is mindfulness. You can actually um, modulate the length of your telomeres by um, doing, having a, a, a practice of, of meditation or mindfulness um, and, and you can measure it. So, you know, that's one thing to build into, into your anti-aging strategy is actually mindfulness. And, 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 and amazingly, you can actually measure the impact on your cells. Um, hallmark number three is epigenetic alterations. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so uh, if you think of epi means on or around and genetic is, is, is your DNA. So, you know, our DNA is the code that's in our cells that uh, is essentially our genetic destiny, but it actually only accounts for 20% of that destiny. The rest of it are the switches that are on your DNA, which determine what genes are being expressed. Um, and, you know, we've got 200 different types of cells in our, our body, and they've all got the same DNA in each cell. And what makes a liver cell different from a skin cell is the genes that are turned on. And that's the epigenetic process of, of essentially uh, determining what genes are turned on and off inside your cell. And uh, what, what, what's exciting is that um, it's a very um, plastic process. If you live a healthy life and follow good principles, then you turn all the switches on, which are uh, for longevity, essentially. Um, and you know, what, what that, the purpose of this epigenetic um, system, essentially, is that it senses our environment and it turns genes on that help us survive in whatever environment we've got. So, you know, I've got a, a you know, perhaps a cousin in uh, Alaska who's who's out there in the colder bunch, and I've got a a, a, a brother in, in in the equator. We're going to have a slightly different environment, so we're going to have slightly different genes turned off and on that suit that environment. And so, that's kind of how, how our body adapts to uh, the environment that it's in. And what happens over time is that uh, some of these uh, switches get turned off and on and get, things get up a little bit muddled. And so uh, we might ultimately end up with a, a skin cell that's a wee bit confused in our 60s and 70s and thinks it's a wee bit of a heart cell or a liver cell. And that compromises that cell's function because it's not, you know, it, it's a slightly confused. So epigenetic alterations just describes the effect of that confusion a, as we age. And it's, we, you know, I think David Sinclair talks about it as uh, being very similar to perhaps a CD getting scratched. And when we're, when we're first born, all that information, all those epigenetic switches are turned on perfectly. And so that information is 
very easily to read. That music is nice and clear. But as we get older, there's a few scratches on that CD and the music drops out. And that information um, yeah, just has effect on how well our body operates and our cells operate. Unfortunately, I don't know about there where you live, but uh, I'm sure it's probably similar. You know, but here we just we, we really live in a toxic environment. I mean, we just the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, uh, you know, whether that being a lot of processed foods, even if you're trying to eat healthy, uh, there's still, you know, a lot of roundup on the vegetables and preservatives, you know, in the meat. And, and so, you know, I know all those things contribute to epigenetics. And so how can one prove uh, all this? Yeah, it's it's so difficult. You're absolutely right that we live in a, a really toxic environment. But on the on the flip side, we actually like even if we didn't have pollution, we live in a you know life is 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 toxic, right? And oxygen and, and high levels is toxic. Sunlight is um, so our bodies are, uh, are can adapt to it. And so as long as we're not overloading our body, then we're actually um, we're, we're okay. And and we want to minimize all the toxins in our lives and eat clean and. And, and just try and live in an environment where there is less because the, the less insult we have, the less challenges we're going to have. But um, I, I think at the same time, you know, you, you'd be familiar in the audience will be with hormesis, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of poison actually causes our cells to adapt and, and address that and, and stimulates healthy processes. So I think, you know, we, we you know, live as cleanly as possible and be as, uh, be as mindful and manage your stress as best as possible. Um, but, you know, there, there has always been pollutants in, in the system. Okay. Uh, so next you talk about uh, loss of proteostasis and you, you um, describe, you know, what heat shock proteins are and, you know, uh, so what are those and, and, you know, just talk a little bit about uh, uh, proteostasis and the importance of that. Yeah. Yeah. So proteostasis is essentially a, a scientific term, which just talks about keeping our proteins in good working order. Um, and most people think of proteins as just, you know, what's that, what are in your muscle, but they're actually just, they're in every cell and they're the, the tiny molecular machines that just make everything work. They're their enzymes. They're, the, the, they're just remarkable uh, little uh, molecules that have specific purposes in, in our cells. And, and like everything that, that works in our, in our world, uh, they break and, uh, or they get, they, 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 they get a bit of junk attached to them and, and they don't work. So our body has an incredible um, mechanism, just like we look after our DNA and monitor it. Um, our cells have processes that identify when a protein's not working particularly well, and um, and will uh, through a number of mechanisms. So heat shock proteins, for example, which are were identified because uh, you know when we go under pressure and we have stress, uh, proteins um, need need some support to make sure they keep working. Um, and uh, and but what we've got is this thing called autophagy and. And which is uh, which can be as, as little as basically clearing out a protein, or it could be clearing out an entire cell. Um, so what we what we can do to support our proteins is is, is trigger regular autophagy, um, and we do that through certain supplements by eating some some certain vegetables. But exercise, you know, that's probably the biggest thing we can do is absolutely exercise. And of course, the other thing, Greg, is fasting. Uh, when we get the opportunity to get a little hungry, our body uh, flips from uh, a little switch called mTOR. And that uh, when we flip that switch to mTOR we, and we don't eat for a wee while, um, we, our body is, uh, it goes into housekeeping mode and, and starts to actually um, look for proteins which aren't working well and, and break them down and recycle them and perhaps get a little bit of energy in the process from it. And so, and then when we eat again, 
then those pre- proteins are, are, are rebuilt, uh, all fresh and new and shiny and, and working well. Um, but the, you know, the biggest disease that we know really well that the, is associated with proteostasis is Alzheimer's disease. Uh, we have these proteins called beta amyloid and, um, and, and, and tau proteins in our brains and our neurons, which get a little jumbled as we age and we all have to deal with it. But that's, that's really the body struggling with um, proteostasis. And unfortunately, with certain proteins, when we um, when when they get they, when they break down, they uh, they're very difficult for our bodies to actually remove and, and and clear out. And when they build up, that's when we get some problems. Um, I, I've mentioned this before, but I know uh, one way to increase heat shock proteins is through sauna therapy. Um, you, you mentioned exercise, which is obviously another one. Um, but I'm a big uh, sauna guy. Um, have have you found that in your research as well? One hundred percent, Greg. Yeah, no, there's some really clear evidence that uh, that heat exposure is extremely good for us, and uh, and and on the flip side, cold exposure um, as well. So uh, you know, it's, it's uh, there's, there's there's some good folk up in the uh, Scandinavian countries who go and sit in saunas for 20, 30 minutes, and then go and roll around in the snow or or jump into some cold water, and um, that little bit of stress actually triggers all sorts of health giving effects, uh, not least that uh, stimulating that heat shock. Protein. Yeah, very good. Okay, uh, next you talk about deregulated nutrient sensing, and I don't know that's those are some big words there, but um, that's where we get into the the mTOR and the AMPK system. When you mentioned mTOR, and uh, we talked a little bit about this with Dr. Kaufman, and I've talked about it in the past. I'm interested to see what your take is on this. Uh, you know, my take is um, you want to find a good balance um, because I, I don't feel like that you you want to um, target AMPK all the time, uh, you know, you, because I'm a big advocate of building muscle. And, and so you want to, you, you want to eat some, you want to build muscle, which is obviously going to stimulate mTOR, but you don't, you want to give your body breaks. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I guess talk briefly, kind of remind the listeners what those systems are and then what's your take on kind of balancing those. Yeah, sure thing, Greg. So, uh, nutrient sensing essentially, uh, uh, ways for our body to identify what's what nutrition we've got so that it can send it in the right direction. So, you know, when we're eating protein, um, that triggers uh, our body to assimilate the, the, those amino acids and, and, and shift them towards building muscle. Um, but it also relates to um, when we have carbohydrates and sugars, what do we do with that? Um, and, and, and so, you know, we're, we're just incredible machines that, that we sense exactly what's going on and we, and in the process, trigger all the right ways to, uh, to assimilate that nutrition and store it and, and, and whatever. So great example, of course, is you know, having some glucose. And when that hits the bloodstream, we, um, we sense what's going on there. We release some insulin, so that uh, which are the keys which allow that glucose to go into our cells and, and our body uses that for fuel. Um, so um, it's all fascinating stuff and it all gets a little bit more confused as we get older and we get some of these metabolic issues and metabolic diseases which are associated with um, perhaps just not handling sugar um, so well and of course we don't help ourselves because we typically have diets which are, have had far too much sugar and hidden sugar in it um, and and that's why there's so many benefits with uh, fasting because it just gives our body a chance to perhaps reset etc um, but mTOR uh, super interesting protein it's essentially the switch which uh, um, is is uh, triggered when we have protein and when it gets tr- activated it encourages us to to build muscle and um, when we inhibit it, uh, it, it actually uh, 
causes uh, longevity pathways, um, which help us recycle proteins and, and just generally clean the body. Um, if we think about calorie restriction, that's actually the single biggest and most proven way that we can actually trigger these longevity pathways and that um, triggers it through the mTOR process. Um, and there are people that, uh, a group of people around the world who are fascinating. They, they restrict their calories by 40%. Um, and these people look incredible. You know, they might be in their 50s and they look like they're someone in their 30s. Um, but for most of us, uh, that's, you know, life is about living and food and, and so on. And, and, uh, and, and I think, uh, so it's not really that realistic for a lot of us. So we can hack the system by doing intermittent fasting and um, you know, doing those longevity pathways, but there are there are drugs out there that can that do inhibit uh, mTOR, and we're talking about rapamycin and, a, and also a natural product called bifurin A, uh, which comes from ashwagandha. Uh, and but rapamycin, huge amount of research on that, and it's so far the only drug that, uh, that we see that, that quite significantly modulates aging. Uh, in mice models, you can get up to sixty percent life extension by taking this drug. Um, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you can't you can't turn off mTOR all the time. You actually need to have it running because uh, it's it's uh, it, it regulates uh, cell division as well. So it has an effect on your immune system. People who take rapamycin, um, it's actually was it's, it's for it's an immune suppressant. So people take it who have got a perhaps an organ trans uh, organ recipients had a transplant and they take it daily just to modulate the immune system so that it doesn't attack the kidney. Um, but really smart researchers have worked out that uh, if you take uh, rapamycin once a week, once every couple of weeks, it, uh, it turns off mTOR um, just temporarily and triggers all those healthy longevity pathways. So um, I'm quite excited to see the human research that's happening for the, that molecule. Um, but there are yeah, there are other things like you say uh, metformin, which um, interferes, uh, activates AMKPK, which feeds back to mTOR. So th these are areas of active research, and we'll get the benefit of this in the next, I'd say, five to ten years, um, as to what protocols actively work. Um, and it's an incredibly exciting area. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and just a little bit, I'm going to ask kind of how you personally, you know, balance those systems. But but we'll get to that. Um, so so next hallmark is mitochondrial dysfunction. I mean, this is a huge uh, topic about mitochondrial health. I just actually got back from a, a conference where we went into in depth about you know uh, mitochondrial health, and so uh, just kind of talk about that and maybe some ways we can improve. Um, you know, mitochondrial health. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. So uh, mitochondria are just fascinating little organelles inside our cells. They're known as our cellular power pack, our cellular battery. And what they do is they take the air we breathe and the, and the food we eat and they combine it. They literally burn it uh, to create a little molecule called ATP, which is a, a molecule which is used by the cell to uh, power all the, the reaction. So ATP essentially is, is energy and, and mitochondria are the, the little battery, the, the factories that make ATP. And, and just like our cell phone batteries uh, decline over time, well, our mitochondria decline over time as well. And luckily uh, they last a, life, last a lifetime. So mitochondria are gonna be keep producing energy until the eighties, nineties, hundreds. They, they, they're incredible little uh, machines. Um, and they, but, but just, yeah, they do start to malfunction as we age and our, our, our energy declines and we notice it because we struggle to get out of bed so easily. We don't recover from injury so much. We, we uh, are affected by illnesses more. And it's, it's literally because, you know, our cells um, need energy to do 
numerous things. If it's a heart cell, it's it's heart beating. If it's a brain cell, it's thinking. And uh, and so, and, and, but it's not just that. Our cells break. They they need to be repaired. There's uh, the rubbish that uh, byproducts which are generated in the process of of doing what these cells do that need to be removed and recycled and and so on. So as our mitochondria become compromised, um, we have to our cells have to make a decision: do they keep doing the main thing, or do they take the rubbish out and and fix a bit of machinery? And the, and, and and that's what starts to not happen. So uh, it makes a decision to leave the rubbish in and not fix things and that compromises our health so it's really important that we keep these mitochondria working well um and and we can do it by you know again all these things that we know are really good for us exercise is phenomenal uh, making sure that we don't overload our mitochondria with sugar um when we do then it just snaps uh, it just makes it life very difficult for our mitochondria um and then the other thing is that our mitochondria in the process of generating energy generate about 95% of the free radicals in our cells. And, uh, and that's, that's all good because we've got inbuilt mechanisms to manage it. But as we get older, those mechanisms don't um, work so well. So uh, our mitochondria not only start to uh, compromise the amount of energy that we've got, but they also start throwing off more and more free radicals. And so, and again, that just creates an environment in our cells which, um, which compromise it further. So what we can do is, is exercise. Um, we take uh, uh, antioxidants like CoQ10, which is a, a key antioxidant inside our mitochondria. Um, but we also can take things like uh, NAD uh, supplements like NR and NMN, which, uh, which uh, uh, drive those CERT proteins that we talked about earlier. And there are three specific CERT, um, uh, CERT twins uh, that are actually um, very, very active inside the mitochondria. I think it's CERT three, four, and five. And so, uh, and these are um, the function of those enzymes are, uh, are dependent on NAD. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it just all, all roads point to um, as part of your strategy for anti aging, keeping making sure your NAD levels are, are nice and high to support your mitochondria. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I just got back uh, from a conference. I don't know how familiar you are with this, but it was um, talking about intravenous ozone therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what ozone does. Um, and it improves the mitochondrial health by uh, increasing um, the NADH to NAD ratio. And, uh, and then therefore it um, decreases a lot of the, um, the oxidizing effects and it improves um, the utilization of oxygen at the cellular level. And so by doing that, it's amazing you know, what they're seeing with, with the use of, of ozone therapy, specifically uh, IV ozone therapy, where they're oxygenating your, or ozonating your blood and then putting it back in as far as the reversal of certain diseases and uh, augmenting the treatment of, of cancers and, and just different things. Um, are you familiar with that at all? Or? I wasn't, Greg, but uh, that makes complete sense. And there's also uh, there's hydrogen therapy as well. I think mm-hmm. we're at this... Uh, you know, delivering hydrogen into the cells and, and the mitochondria is uh, extremely useful. Um, and infrared as well uh, appears to be extremely good for uh, activating mitochondria. So we, we're still learning so much about them. One of the most interesting papers I read, and I read probably it was about three or four years ago, was that actually mitochondria communicate between themselves uh, using, using light. Uh, which is just uh, kind of getting into quantum physics and and just areas which I'm sure will become clear in the future. But yeah, absolutely fascinating area. And, and one of the best things you can do is, is care and love your mitochondria, look after them. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're actually going to start uh, doing, you know, the ozone therapy here. And obviously that's not something that everybody's going to have access to, certainly that mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, can do at their, their home. But for those that, that have it available, I, I think it's a pretty, um, pretty exciting thing. So, okay. You know, if, if you can uh, exercise and which mitochondria just love, they just, it just makes them work better and run leaner and faster. And then just sugar minimize, like sugar is, is like as bad as tobacco, cigarette smoke in terms of what its effect on our mitochondria are. And so we can just, you know, get that load down um, as consciously as we can. Then we're, we're going to be you know, doing it. That's the sort of stuff you can do at home. It has a major effect on your health. Well, very good. Uh, so you talk about Hallmark 7 is cellular senescence. Um, kind of explain what that is and how that contributes to aging. Yeah, uh, so Greg, cellular senescence is a, describes a process which um, a lot of people think uh, associate with, with being a little older, but it's actually something that happens in our cells, uh, in our bodies all the time. And it, it's essentially a mechanism for our cells to um, which essentially put the handbrake on growth. And that can happen for a number of reasons. It could be oxidative stress and it's just getting a bit much for the cell and it gets slightly damaged. It could be cancer or it simply is just the, the cell actually getting to the end of its replicative life. And and, and, and so what our body does once that happens is that it, there's a process where it enters a, a, a phase called senescence. And, and then what that cell does typically is that it, uh, it starts secreting a bunch of inflammatory uh, molecules. And it does that to catch the attention of the immune system and the immune system comes along and, um, and actively removes that cell out of the circulation. So that's, that's all good, works well. Um, for, like for example, a cancer cell, or if you've got perhaps a, a, an injury where you've got a cut and your uh, cells have done and have completed this, the, this, the tissue repair and created the scar, and then those, tissue, those cells need to stop working, otherwise you get over-scarification. Um, but what happens as we get older is that this process starts to actually impact on our health. That's because uh, we get more and more of these senescent cells and our immune system is getting a wee bit tired and doesn't pick up as many of these cells and, and doesn't remove them. So we actually start to see an increased burden of these senescent cells and, and associated inflammation that comes with it because all these cells are trying to attract the attention of our immune system and, 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 and be removed from, from the body. Um, but all they do actually is uh, end up just actually increasing the amount of inflammatory molecules in our body. And that causes disease, causes cancer, causes all sorts of problems. And some people call them zombie cells um, just because they are like living dead. They uh, sit there and they pump out the skunk. They actually change shape. They, uh, they can turn cells around them into senescent cells. They can turn cells in distant parts of the body senescent uh, as well. And uh, in, in studies where you've got a youthful mouse, they can put some senescent cells from old mice in. And uh, that actually ages that, that youthful, that young mouse and uh, causes a buildup of senescent cells. So the, what's really fascinating, is, and as I mentioned earlier, was you know, once we understand what's happening um, and these, these hallmarks of aging, we can then turn our attention to how do we remove them. And, um, and researchers have found ways of doing that, and they have quite significant health benefits. And uh, I think up to 10, 20% life extension in, in certain mouse models when you remove senescent cells. Uh, really interesting talking to a uh, researcher not so long ago and uh, like a couple of months ago. And he, uh, his theory was that perhaps the reason that older adults are, are uh, responding so poorly to COVID was that uh, of the inflammatory burden caused by these senescent cells. So he created a model where he 
um, took old mice and he removed senescent cells from them um, using a molecule called fisetin, which is uh, derived from strawberries. And, uh, and then he gave those older mice that have been treated with fisetin and those senescent cells were removed um, COVID or mouse version of it. And those uh, mice responded to COVID like a young mouse might. So uh, some really interesting clues there on perhaps why, uh, why we react poorly to COVID. And the Mayo Clinic's actually doing trials now in humans to understand if we remove those cells, um, what, how do older adults um, respond to, to COVID. And we, we hope to see some data out of there in the, in the not too distant future. And you can just jump onto clinicaltrials.gov and look at FISETAN and you'll see those, uh, those trials in play. So um, super exciting um, uh, from, from a longevity perspective because uh, it could be that we take a regular therapy, which uh, like fisetin, which, which de, uh, removes those senescent cells as they occur, or some people um, do a treatment once every six weeks where they go in and have a, a therapy with something called Destinab and Crescetin, uh, and that uh, over three days removes those senescent cells, and there are really significant benefits in terms of just lowering the, the, the burden of them, and then of course, uh, there are people who have a do a diet where they fast for three days, and that also triggers uh, autophagy and the removal of those senescent cells. and And people report when they do that those those fasting periods that they just feel quite remarkable at the end of it. Okay, all right. Um, so you talk about stem cell exhaustion uh, is next, and and. Um, you know, what are some ways, I mean, people probably know a little bit about stem cells, but I mean, what are some ways maybe we can uh, rejuvenate stem cells or, or just talk about that? Yeah, so we, we have pools of stem cells, which are essentially like a, a bank account of cells. And when a cell uh, is removed from the body, uh, it gets topped up from these, these stem cell pools, so to speak. And there's a lot of work in this area around stem cell replacement and how you know, it can rejuvenate joints and, and all sorts of things. So uh, uh, we have still a long, lot of research to do and it's a very exciting area. But what we can all do um, to stimulate um, stem cell uh, like uh, re rejuvenation or replenishment is, is that fasting. Um, it's, it's a really effective way of doing it. And, and various supplements, again, like NAD, looking after your mitochondria. I mean, these are looking after your mitochondria, they're sitting in our senescent cells. And so we, we look after them. It's just going to um, just keep those pools of stem cells in good working order. Um, try and minimize the pollutants and toxins in your life. Um, exercise. And again, you know, just yeah, supplement. Uh, and and it so far is, is the most effective way to do it. And, and eventually we will be able to replenish those stem cell pools uh, quite consciously, and, and that's really exciting. And that's pro that's probably within the, the next decade or two, we'll be we'll be all be doing that. Okay. Uh, last hallmark that you talk about is altered intracellular communication. Um, so talk about that, if you will. Yeah, I, I love intracellular communication. It's almost like the internet of our body. It's actually how our body um, releases factors, and quite often it's through the blood. Um, uh, could be hormones, but what it's doing is it's, uh, it, it's, it's just constantly sending messages around the body, literally, so that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. It's a, a way that our body just keeps everything in, in check. And we have, when we're young, youthful um, mediators um, that circulate in our blood and, and keep things in good shape. And we, we know this because uh, of, of a, a really interesting uh, part of research called parabiosis, where 
sounds a little gruesome, but um, you know, they've literally stitched the bloodstream of young mice uh, to an old mice, a mouse. And in the process, uh, the old mouse um, starts to become youthful and is rejuvenated. Unfortunately, it's not so good for the young mouse. So um, it's not something that we're going to be seeing in the clinic. But what it does is it tells us um, that there are youthful um, um, products. It's hormones. It's these things called exosomes, which are little uh, little molecules that are, get bundled up and sent around the body. Um, and, uh, and, and we don't know exactly what it is, although I'm sure that we are working it out. Um, but it's not going to be long um, before we do understand exactly what these molecular mechanisms are and, and we can start to piggyback off um, intracellular communication processes to, um, to be rejuvenated. And, and it could be, again, it, you know, um, a, it could be, you know, we, we use a mixture of exosomes and ozone and, and a few hormones to do that. Um, but yeah, an area of, of ma massive research and, um, and I think, you know, once we pull all this together, pull these nine hallmarks together in the future, um, all of them in concert are going to help us be a whole bunch healthier for a whole bunch longer. Yeah, so that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is, uh, you know, I always like to hear what people do in their day to day lives. And, you know, I like to see kind of the differences and, and there's a lot of overlaps in people who are in this area, but with you studying, you know, these aging strategies, walk us through a, a typical, you know, a, a day for you as far as, you know, how, how long you're fasting, what you're eating, what your exercise regimen looks like, um, and, and what supplements you, you feel are important. You don't have to list every single one, but maybe the, the top supplements yeah. that you, that you take. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. So uh, a regular week for me is that uh, I fast for two days out of out of the out of the five, and and it's it's really just timed eating. So I have one meal at the at the end of the day. Although I'm starting to look at the some of the the, the research around that, and it looks like you get more benefit if you actually have one meal, and it's at the beginning of your day. Um, I'm we definitely uh, starting to be more plant based. Um, and uh, but also that doesn't mean I don't enjoy a, a good steak and some good protein um, from from time to um, from time to time. And in fact, consciously build it in. Um, so, I, uh, so, I do, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. So you do two days a week where you're just eating one meal a day, and then all the yeah. other days you're eating, you know, three meals yeah. a day. Is that okay? Yeah, three meals a day, absolutely. Sure. Um, okay. But the, the one one key thing is I don't snack. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's just, and that's, I think, quite important because we do need times, time for our bodies to, to be in a, a stage where that, that, that mTOR molecule is, is turned off. Sure. Um, I do take with a ferrin A, um, and that's actually a natural rapamycin um, mimetic, if you will. Um, really interesting uh, a paper that uh, if you Google. Uh, rapamycin uh, mimetics. Uh, uh, there's a, a company called Insilico Medicine that's got a paper, and I can send it through to you if you like, Greg. But they did, they they researched a whole bunch of molecules, and what they found was with the ferrin A, which is derived from ashwagandha, is very very similar to rapamycin in terms of its its effect. And uh, so uh, I, I follow a regimen which that um, uses that particular molecule. Um, and likewise, I have berberine, which is a natural form of uh, metformin, if you will. So again, use that. Um, I uh, exercise. I, I just have a regular. I, I just fit 100 press ups into my day every day, um, and 
and uh, and I'm not a huge exerciser. I'm I'm, I'm a more of a book guy than a muscle bound guy. So I'm about walking. So just making sure that I'm moving. Um, so that's a, a you know a, a regular thing that I build in, into my life. And uh, I also have cold showers. Um, I like a bit of stress, and uh, and also um, jump in the in, the, in a, quite a cold pool a couple of times a week as well, just to to just create a bit of stress and and so on. Um, I have a, a range of supplements. I talked about hobamine, which is just to, to me just such an exciting molecule, which uh, just just essentially um, prevents the downstream effects of oxidative stress on our cells, and it's uh, something that's new, um, but 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 important. Um, I have I take NMN and uh, terastilbene, which is uh, just the, the, both again have quite significant benefits, um, health benefits. And then I uh, just in terms of the drug side, I, I take aspirin daily as well, um, just because that's been shown to have uh, just significant benefits in terms of just reducing cancer risk. Uh, I'm 53, so the, just pretty much everything like that. Um, it's, it's just important just to just constantly um, try and minimize uh, the risk. And then lastly, mindfulness. Um, it's just a practice that I have, and it's, it's not like I, I do a bunch of it. It's, it's like five minutes a couple of times a day, um, which just uh, is what I can build into um, you know, my life around the, the schedule that I have, which is fairly intense. Well, very good. So to get a hold of you, I know, let's see, uh, you can go specifically for the book. Um, the nine hallmarks of aging.com. Um, are there other websites or other ways that, that people can just kind of find more uh, about you and what you're doing? Yeah, thanks, Greg. It is um, the SRW Laboratories uh, website is srw.co. So um, jump on and have a look around there. And, and, and that, uh, what, what I've done with, specifically with this company is, is just curating the latest understanding of how we age at a cellular level and, and I guess just taking the uh, make, making it easy for people so that they can just uh, come along and, and look at what particular hallmarks they're interested in and looking after. And, you know, with, with, with the hallmarks, you know, you don't need to worry about perhaps good housekeeping and you're in, you're in under 50 because we're really good at it. Um, but what you do want to do is look after your DNA because if you can sort of care and nurture and look after that, um, from your 20s, then that's extremely um, beneficial strategy for you to do. So we talk about lifestyle, things that you can do, what supplements are good in your 20s, um, what, what, what you need in your 30s and 40s, and then what you need in your 50s. And so just adapting um, the particular um, solutions for what the hallmarks that you need to look after at the various time in your life. Like in your 20s, your mitochondria is just working beautifully, unless you've got a health condition. So you don't need to worry about NAD right then. So these are things that you don't need to waste your money on just there, just there. So that's we, we build a program essentially, which just gives you the right, right products, right strategies at the right time. Okay. And that's, uh, did you say SIW.co? Yeah. So it's, it's www.s for science, r for research, w for wellness.co. Uh, SRW. Okay. .co. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can find that. So great. Thank uh, you. Very good. Any, any other way uh, you on any social media or anything? Uh, look, I, I do Twitter really badly. Um, okay. I, I am on there, but um, yeah, I, I'm not the bandwidth. Yeah, 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 I'm not good no, at Twitter the, either. So <laughs> yeah, the the bandwidth is you just got to you know, pay attention to where you can do most things. And there are some very good Twitter people out there. So you can find me at Greg McPherson on, on Twitter. Um, occasionally I'll pop up with something interesting, but uh, yeah, it's not going to clutter up your feed. Um, 
but no, absolutely. Um, but a great way to engage with me. So if you've got any questions, just use Twitter, please. And um, I'm, I'm yeah, here to be of service, really. The whole purpose of what I'm doing is uh, to uh, just help people uh, be conscious around aging and, uh, and, and understand what's happening uh, so that when you, you just do it better, what you can measure, you can manage. And I think that's what we're all doing, right? Yeah, you bet. Well, very nice. Yep. Well, as we uh, wrap up here, I always ask my guests if they could give us one health tip that would make us healthier today. I know we've talked a lot about it, uh, you know, different things, but I mean, if you could give us one health tip today, what would that be? Uh, it's, it's just build movement into your life. It's like, uh, and consciously do it. So, uh, and I'm sure that everybody will say that to you, but, um, uh, you know, we, the people that build movement into their life consciously, um, it, it's just, they, they live longer, they're healthier, they have more energy. Um, yep, no, that, that's a good one for sure. Okay. Uh, well, you. appreciate your time and a very, a very good book. Always uh, enjoy reading books on aging and, and, you know, just the physiology of aging. So if people want to, uh, you know, just dive deeper into that and, and everything we've just talked about, obviously, we just kind of touched the surface on each one of these topics, but um, the book is Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging um, with Mr. Greg McPherson. So, uh, Greg, we appreciate your time coming on with us and uh, appreciate everyone listening. And we will uh, talk to you next time. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for listening to FitRx. I invite you to share this with friends and family. If you would like, you can check out our website at vibrantlifedc.com. Or you can email me at drgreg at vibrantlifedc.com.